Over the past year, we have witnessed a second wave of digital transformation sweeping every company and every industry. But digital technology has universally become key to business resilience and transformation. It's not hard to understand. You know, the cloud business is pretty big. But if you look at the whole enterprise IT business, it's huge. It's last time I saw a number was something like 1.7 trillion. So, you know, the cloud business is you know, looking exciting, but it's still, what, 10, 15% of the whole IT business. And, and it's going to be a lot more than 10 or 15%, you know, say 10 years from now. So there's still a lot of room for growth in that sector. A lot of people are seeing cloud as a future of technology. And so they believe that these companies will grow significantly in addition to the hyperscalers. IBM, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon are all taking the helm for the cloud renaissance. Gartner says that in 2021, Spending on public cloud services could go over $330 billion. All types of industries and even governments are moving their infrastructure and technology to the cloud. In retail, offline merchants are embracing new business models like contactless shopping and curbside pickup, while e-commerce has accelerated multiple years. In healthcare, telehealth is now the expectation for outpatient visits, and providers are turning to new capabilities like AI-assisted bots to ensure patients get trusted and accurate information whenever and wherever they need it. In financial services, people are putting aside their physical wallets in favor of digital ones, and banks are harnessing the power of data and AI to manage risk. So there's tremendous opportunity to build on the cloud. AWS, Amazon's cloud offering, has been the clear winner for a while now, spanning almost 14 years of sheer dominance. Well, it's, it's certainly grown, grown really fast, and I don't think any of us would have had the audacity to predict it would grow as fast as it has. I don't think we would have predicted that it would be a $15 billion revenue run rate business growing a little bit over 40% year over year this quickly, and that I don't think we would have predicted that you know, we would have several times the size business of the next 14 providers combined, or that you know, it would, we'd have millions of active customers, and that we'd have a six to seven year head start. So all those things were big surprises to us. The margins and scale of the cloud business is unlike any other business in the world today. Those incredible margins are also attracting some pretty big fish like Microsoft and Google who want a bite of the pie. It's not a surprise to us that every large technology company in the world is interested in building a replica of what AWS has done. It's, it's such a great value proposition for customers that it's why it's being adopted so fast so others will want to participate. If you've ever wondered how you're able to watch Netflix or hail a cab through Lyft with a click of a button, you're basically using the cloud. So, what is the cloud? Join us as we make sense of the highly coveted industry of cloud computing. If you had known how important the technology economy was 20 years ago, would you have done things differently? The internet, cell phones, the cloud, and data. Things have changed, and we're here to talk about it. Hi, I'm Jed. Hi, I'm Shikhar. Welcome to Things Have Changed, your new economics and technology podcast. Dude, when did you last use a hard drive? or a floppy disk to back up your data. 
I haven't used a floppy disk since the Philippines, dude. But I uh, I back up my stuff here on a on a monthly basis. You're a good guy. You are anal about such stuff. Yeah, yeah. I have physical backups like hard drives and and whatnot. Physical backups. You just mentioned like you're saving it physically, right? And this was a trend for a large part of, I guess, the last. 20 years of uh, growing up, I used to come, burn CDs, save it on CDs, use pen drives, have my Call of Duty on uh, hard drives, things like that, right? Yeah, I mean, if if you've ever known somebody who takes, you know, a million pictures and who, who travels a lot, you know, your next trip to, to Thailand, you got to go delete all your photos. Gone are the days where where we had to do that because we had to have, I don't know, 60 gigabytes in our phone and that, that was never enough for us anyway. And now we walk around with phones with so much space on it, but we still need more. And we usually save our photos on something called, we either drop it in Google Drive or Dropbox or iCloud. So what does that mean? Um, We used to back up stuff on a hard drive, and now we're backing up on these virtual drives, basically. But, you know, now we we can store it on this thing called the cloud, and you know it's it's a service that we can pay for on a monthly basis or whatever and you know no matter how much data we actually need we just pay x amount of dollars to increase that that capacity you know gone are the days that that we actually have to keep a physical hard drive on a certain extra you know memory chip or whatever yeah so basically it's you know that's a good analogy where we are now storing we used to store it in physical hard drives that we used to hold and have and now we're storing it on virtual hard drives um and what is that that's basically us saving our information in these servers in god knows where and technology has enabled us to actually access those servers those hard drives out in utah or i don't know the middle of nowhere but yeah we can access our data seamlessly right away instantly in spite of me being 10,000 miles away from the server physically right? right and that cutting edge revolutionary technology is basically the cloud and has enabled largely all of the things that we do today in a normal millennial life right we wake up we watch netflix netflix the data for netflix is actually on the cloud so we are accessing the cloud right away. Like, you know, when you, when you watch Netflix or certain ride-hailing services, click of a button, you can you can have these services um, right then and there. You can watch whatever you want on the Netflix server. You can't even imagine opening up Netflix and not being able to watch one of the shows that are, you know, selected for your country or your, your geography or whatever. Um, you know, we don't hold... You remember those days where we used to have actual physical hard drives to keep all our movies? When I moved to this country, I had like a, you know, like a, I don't know, one terabyte uh, hard drive of all the movies that I had uh, pirated from the Philippines, right? My hard drives, like, even till this day, I have like um, 
Gone Girl and not, I don't not want to know Girl, all so. the types of movies in your hard drive, bro. Come on, <laughs> not Gone Girl, dude. Nope. There's another. Catch me if you can. I've still not seen Catch that me. movie, but it's always going to be that movie that's in my hard drive because my hard drive, like back in the day, some friends would just go on illegally download like hundred thousand movies and just stack it on a one TB hard drive, <laughs> right? So I still have yeah. that shit. But now we don't need any of that. We don't need like our own hard drives. We can just go on Netflix and view something or go on Prime Video or go on HBO Max, right? The birth of streaming services really provided a unique use case. Platforms as well needs a lot of service, uh, you know, storage of data and, and a lot of needs from, from uh, the, the cloud servicing businesses. So we, we've seen the use case for a consumer, right? Somebody who's, who's clicking on Netflix and somebody who's ordering Uber slash Lyft rides and whatnot. Think of yeah. it uh, from the perspective of a business, right? Should I be on the yeah. cloud or should I maintain my, my own internal structure? So there's two ways, right, usually. You can either build your own systems, you know, have your own data centers and whatnot, similar to, to what Facebook is doing or some small businesses who have built the infrastructure over the years, especially legacy companies. So you build your own servers and stuff. Imagine the costs to that. Yeah, I mean, it must be expensive. I mean, to create an entire, you know, data center to service all your customers and to build for scale and whatnot, like it must be a, a large feat. Plus maintaining it and say you 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 have so much space on this these servers and your startup has been kidding it so you just right. need more and more that costs a lot more and it's not just like plug and play you know you can't just add more server space because you need to go out and like get it built up. <laughs> You know, th that's the unique use case that Netflix had, right? In 2008, when it was still, I think, largely shipping out DVDs and whatnot, they had a large outage from like a corruption of a database or something when, when they realized that they needed yeah. to start moving to the cloud, start moving to AWS to service their yeah. needs for this kind of stuff, right? It is hard. It is genuinely hard to to build your own database or your own cloud and, and maintain that infrastructure. It's it's increasingly complex. It is so resource heavy. Imagine oh, yeah. upfront costs, less flexibility because now you have it there. Say you need less space than what you have put in there. I mean, all that extra stuff is just costing you a lot of money. And then you have maintenance, you have IT troubleshooting, um, and you need physical space. And we all know that there's no <laughs> physical space in the US because BlackRock is buying everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Real but, estate, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it takes a lot. Companies cannot really focus on their actual product. Like Netflix can't focus on the content. They need to focus on the IT and the, the server space. And they don't want to do that, right? So they would rather pay money they would rather pay an exorbitant amount of money to someone who can handle all of this and be super seamless just plug and play i need 100 gb today okay i need 500 gb today okay you got it they need that flexibility to enable you know their product as well you know as we were talking about the last five minutes it seems so much more practical to move to the cloud 
right? In many cases, it's just a cheaper and easier uh, option for you to do. Yeah. Jesse says I can uh, save money. Bro, stop plugging your CEO in this shit. (laughs) Bro, it's not Q3 yet. I still report to to Mr. Bezos. (laughs) Anyway, from a cost perspective, it seems practical to move to the cloud just because of pure savings, right? For some use cases, at least. Yeah. And also think about this, dude. What happens when there's a disaster? I mean, say you have a data loss. Say if Netflix lost its content, security and troubleshooting is all taken care of. Like you have disaster recoveries, data loss, you know, in a normal on-premise situation, you need like an entire division actively monitoring this stuff 24-7. Now in cloud, you just outsource, you kind of outsource all this heavy lifting, pay the subscription fee. Yes, it's expensive, but hey, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to deal with my product and just be a good business in delivering that product. Yeah, I mean, in regards to security, if if you know that the company that's servicing your data is keeping your data is also servicing the NSA, the CIA, and the U.S. government, I feel like you'd have some comfort in, in uh, you know, paying these people to keep your shit. And, you know, and another thing is is downtime. I mean, during our time, dude, like we had issues when when websites like Friendster would go down for like two, you know, 30 minutes or, or two days or something. And we'd, we'd Google like, oh, like why Facebook like down, blah, blah, blah. These days, like Twitter goes down for like 15 minutes and the world is like freaking out. Like, yeah. oh, my God, yeah. Instagram's down. What do we what do I do with my life now? <laughs> How do I post my picture at the perfect time? Fuck. But yeah, that's that's another thing that the cloud solves, right? Access is is becoming so much more important. Access to your data um, and ensuring that there are no outages, right? Every minute, every thirty minutes, costs you a couple of million dollars if if your product isn't working out there. Especially as as companies, as software companies scale nowadays. And what comes really with you know the cost saving? Bro, you sound like a cloud shady salesman over here. The price saving is great. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I will. I'll get to that. Um, yeah, the, the feature uh, that makes it a cost reduction, and again, in some use cases, is that it's dynamic. Right, you don't have to maintain a, a million data centers. You can just pay for what you need. You're ba- so you're basically saying it's okay for Lyft to spend $100 million on AWS because they're saving money. No, no, no. I'm saying Lyft <laughs> would have spent more money building their own data centers. But we'll actually never find out because they never will build their own data centers. Yeah. Dude, yeah. it is so complex. Yeah. No one wants the heavy lifting. You can charge an exorbitant amount. I mean, AWS is largely driving amazon's profits exactly yeah i mean if we're talking about operating margins it's almost half i think it was 47 percent in q1 (laughs) and that's why it's such a great business you mentioned netflix right so how did they solve their issue right they were on private servers they saw a two-day crash they needed cloud support right away they needed to jump right away Right. So um, just think about Netflix in 2008, as I was mentioning earlier, when they were still largely delivering stuff, right? And they, they were moving into the, the streaming space, right? Um, just think about, you know, Netflix today, right? Like 
how you use Netflix as a consumer. So you can turn on your TV at any point in time and watch whatever show you want, right? Imagine like on a on a daily basis, right? Monday to Friday, maybe it's it's not that busy for people at a certain time zone. But when it comes to the nighttime, imagine you're in college, it's nighttime, it's 8 p.m., you know, you gotta you gotta start Netflix and chilling and whatnot. Like there's it's not just you, bro. It's gonna be a shit ton of people getting into Netflix and Netflix and chilling in your region. Netflix is so, you know, worldwide now, bro. So it's just this use case where you know, throughout the whole day, you don't really need that many data centers. But all of a sudden, at night, when people are Netflix and chilling, you got to be able to handle that load as a company, right? So Netflix uh, maintaining their own, you know, data data centers in the past or or their own types of internal systems to maintain this was not sustainable. Clearly, they had to move on to the cloud. That was a, the, the outages were a huge wake-up call for them, right? And to, to many companies that have experienced this type of, of load um, outages in the past, right? And so the type of scale that you're able to achieve with, with a company like AWS or something when you're just starting out is is massive right for your ability to be able to store you know if you need from busy times and down times you can cut them off with the click of a button and when it gets really really busy you can increase scale immediately to prepare for that kind of of traffic right yeah you can't just automatically just switch if you if say in a month, you know, okay, Stranger, Stranger Things is going to release, there's going to be like 100 million people watching it. You can't just go and ask some <laughs> dude to, hey, I need like 100 TB data storage right now within a month. They're going to just cut the call right there. I mean, let's say you have the money right? And you're able to build your own internal systems and, and your data centers and whatnot. In your downtime, you'd be paying exactly as much money as you were in, in your high traffic time, right? So why pay for all that um, scale, right? If if you know you're only going to use um, a percentage of it for certain periods of time, AWS has, has basically solved or is trying to solve that problem of load and trying to be able to uh, provide that support for companies who only want to pay as you go. That's the the fascinating thing about um, being dynamic and having the pay as you go system. It's so fascinating that this is such an unlock business unlock for a company like Amazon. Next CEO of Amazon is actually going to be the current leader of AWS or Amazon Web Services. So it's interesting what path the company is taking going forward as well. He built it, man. He built it. Yeah. So how how was this even created? Like, I do know it was like an accident. They were trying to figure out their own way, internal method of doing things and just stumbled on this. And they were like, you know what? We should probably outsource this. So I, I think the genesis of of um, AWS was really in the early 2000s. It started with something called um, Merchant.com. It's 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 like an e-commerce as a service platform for base for third-party retailers. I think they had customers like Target and, and Marks and Spencers and, and whatnot, where basically um, they wanted to provide IT services for these companies by building them um, a platform. Right and getting a service fee for for building their platform, right? Um, 
they wanted to create something called like a, a shared IT platform. Um, and they wanted their, you know, basically they wanted to take off the heavy lifting from the IT teams of these companies and give it to Amazon. That's really what started the services, um, industry for, for AWS, what, what was going to be AWS. And I think it was in 2003 when they realized, you know, shit is kind of messy. It's, um, they, they try to separate what they did right and what they did wrong and, uh, you know, imagine what Shopify is, right? That's what they were trying to do is build websites, build platforms for, for different companies. And obviously, like, at that point, they didn't think that was the route to go. Ironically, Shopify started in, what, like 2004? But in 2003, they separated all the things they did well and the, the things that they didn't. And they realized that the IT services piece was what they wanted to provide, but not necessarily creating um, the platforms for other businesses. So that that's kind of how, how AWS started. And in 2006, I think they rolled out their first um, S3 cl- Amazon cloud storage or something. It kind of sprung from an internal necessity for having easily accessible data on the go right away. Which is, which is interesting. It's kind of like the Slack. Um, if anyone knows this, Slack, the messaging app, um, workplace messaging app, the company started off as a gaming company. And while they yeah. were working in the workplace, they used an internal tool to message each other. <laughs> and they loved it so much. They were like, this is probably a better product than our gaming That's product. That's fascinating. And they shifted gear. So it's interesting how internal hacks can potentially become billion-dollar businesses. You know, obviously, at that time, uh, they were the only ones rolling out this type of um, infrastructure play and IT services play at this scale. Um, There are over 100 applications built on top of the first um, 2002 instance of of, um, Amazon.com web services and whatnot. Developers were definitely hungry for more. Right. And, and so this provided them with the first mover advantage when it came to, um, cloud services, right? Not a lot of big companies were getting in this game. You know, this obviously meant that they were a monopoly, right? I mean, when they started out in this game, past few years, they had been the leading, or they still are kind of the leading cloud services provider out there. And they had, I think last time I checked in, in 2015, 2016, was that they had more than 50% of the market, which is clearly, um, you know, unfair. We talk a lot about inequality. In, Just in like podcast. everything else, like Google search, and social media and messaging everything is owned by maybe one or two companies and those one or two companies are either google either amazon either facebook or microsoft i mean they're getting into real estate bro they're starting (laughs) to buy shit up everywhere i mean did you know that 58 percent of all public cloud um, infrastructure spend in q1 2021 belong to the three biggest companies that's microsoft aws and uh gcp google cloud you know what's unfair you know what's unfair those three companies microsoft amazon and google are trillion dollar companies microsoft amazon are two trillion dollar companies google is close to two trillion dollars in value and they have their cloud business growing at like 50 percent a year how's that fair dude how's that fair to any <laughs> other business 
It's not. It's not fair at all. So if things were going great for these big companies in the cloud market, well, we had a once-in-a-generation pandemic which forced everyone to sit at home and watch Netflix, work from home, school from home, do all of that. So who benefits ultimately? Dude, of course, it's tech companies. <laughs> like there was any other option over there. Option A, tech companies. Option B, tech companies. Option C, tech companies. Option D, big tech. <laughs> I mean, the pandemic has kind of forced us to move away from the physical world. You know, we're working from home. We're using products all online. We're chatting online. We're doing dates online. Everything is online, bro. Dude, imagine the traffic in Netflix when we all started working from home and everything. Gosh, everybody was watching Netflix every day. <laughs> Netflix pays Amazon $150 million a year just on cloud. So it's it's crazy. There's, there's a valid argument to be made that just AWS, Amazon Web Services spun out of Amazon is a top five company in the world right now. I mean, yeah, if it was a standalone business, it wouldn't have to absorb the losses of our other businesses. That is public knowledge, okay? That is all out in the statement, so I ain't saying shit that ain't out there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, cloud adoption has gone through the roof. Digital adoption has gone through the roof, right? We're spending all our lives online. And that means cloud as an industry has just been growing like crazy. The big takeaways here is, I mean, firstly, if you run a small business, do you move to the cloud? I mean, if you're growing quickly, growing fast, um, yes, you might need that support, but you gotta out the, you gotta weigh the cost as well. Like at what point does it break your financial structure? Right. So it's all about mm -hmm. weighing the pros and cons. Now for a really fast growing company like Lyft, they couldn't focus on building servers themselves. They needed that support, and that's where it worked for them. Tech is a massive space, but cloud will be the place to be developing your skills if you're coming in as an engineer or really if you want to even understand the cloud. There are numerous free courses now because just the demand for cloud computing is so high. The demand for engineers who can fix issues and build better scalable solutions is even higher so you know there are a bunch of free courses that we will list in our bio that you can go in and try to get cloud certified i guess imagine the requirements for it professionals that can help with troubleshooting and maintaining such stuff man these guys are getting paid top dollar and if it's something that you can just pick up with certifications online you know, that's such a great deal. You're not spending four years in college. So, yeah. The AWS uh, Cloud Practitioner Essentials is a great start. It's a completely free course online on um, training and certification for AWS. And there's a bunch of different ones on there that you can use to improve your skills or to start out in, in the cloud um, industry today. So check it out. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our show this week. You could subscribe to us. And if you're feeling generous, well, you could even leave us a review. Trust me, it goes a long, long way. You could also follow THC at THC underscore pod on Twitter and LinkedIn. This 
is Things Have Changed. Things Have Changed.